When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. The Project Upland podcast is brought to you in part by Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. Adventure awaits. What's up, everybody? Nick Larson with the Project Upland Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us, as always. Great show for you this week. We'll be into that shortly. Not much to report on this week other than we got a new new Project Upland teaser that came out earlier this week, maybe yesterday, a couple days ago, for an upcoming pheasant film and sort of teasing the next season of Project Upland film, so that's always very exciting. I have seen that along with another teaser for one of the upcoming films, and looks very cool. I don't, uh, I don't know if I can disclose any details yet, so I won't do that. But I have seen uh, a taste of some of the Project Upland work that is upcoming, and I believe it is continuing to raise the bar in ways that Project Upland always tries to do. So with that said, the Project Upland book, A Bird Hunter's Anthology Volume 1, should still be available for order. That is the timeline for the release on that is quicker than you might think. Uh, Won't be too long into 2018, I think, before the people that back the kickstarter campaign start seeing their copies so i know i'm excited for that and our guest today actually was he has uh he has some work in the book and he's featured in the book so 
kind of a cool connection there. You'll be seeing that shortly if you ordered the book. If you haven't, go to projectsemblin.com, Facebook page, find it somewhere, anywhere, somehow, and you will find the place to order, pre-order the book, Bird Hunters Anthology Volume 1. Other than that, uh, we do, we're going to be kicking it up a little bit with the podcast in 2018. We're going to be doing some giveaways, uh, probably some hats and t-shirts, some stuff, basic stuff like that, Project Upland gear, swag, uh, whatever we can get our hands on, maybe some stuff from uh, supporters of the show. But we do have one uh, one giveaway that I, I'm not going to tell you about it right now, but if you're, uh, if you're a fan of the show, you'll want to keep listening because we have a giveaway in 2018 that is, as far as podcast giveaways are concerned, this one is going to blow you away. This is going to be fantastic. Somebody, one person, is going to, they're going to win an amazing, amazing opportunity, uh, of course, related to upland hunting. So, like I said, if you're enjoying the show, we encourage you to keep listening because we've got a lot of good stuff happening for you in 2018. Uh, as far as the giveaways go, be sure to uh, like the show, subscribe to the show, uh, share the episodes that you enjoy, share those with your friends, help us spread the word, help us get out there as best we can. Uh, we want to try to we want to try to make this thing as big as we can, and as, as we grow, we will improve and get better. That's our promise to you, the listeners. So, uh, always your feedback is appreciated. If you love the show, we really appreciate you going on to wherever you're listening, be it uh, the Apple iTunes Store or Stitcher, Google Play ratings. Uh, they help us. They help us get discovered by other people just browsing the store, and they, of course, help us with supporters of the show, and that encourages maybe maybe more gear, gifts, giveaways, swag. Uh, so the more people we have listening, the more people we have sharing, the more stuff that we're going to have to give away to our listeners. So we appreciate your help in that area, and we would love your continued support. With that said, let's get into today's episode. Really cool interview today with the owner and operator of Sage and Breaker Mercantile. If you're not familiar with Sage and Breaker, they create firearm cleaning and uh, maintenance supplies. So your bore cleaners, uh, bore snake type tool, they've got a clean lube and protect spray that is sort of your end-all be-all spray for cleaning, lubricating, protecting your firearms. They've got some cotton swabs. They've got a really cool gun mat, which I have. I've actually got one of their one of their boar snakes and one of their gun mats and the clean lube and protect spray. All of it top notch quality products. So, owner and operator of Sage and Breaker, Fred Bohm, joins the Project Upland podcast right now. Let's welcome Fred to the show. All right, Fred, welcome to the Project Upland podcast. How are you today? Not too bad, Nick. Thanks for having me. It is uh, it is my pleasure. We are we're happy to have you on the show, and uh, looking forward to talking to you about obviously uh, upland hunting adventures and uh, and of course sage and breaker. So uh, sure. with that said, where uh, where where are we uh, speaking to you from today? Live from Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. All right, is that your is that home base for you? That is. That's been home base. Oh, I close to eighteen years now. I think I'm going on out here. So. Okay. 
Yeah, been home base for a good long time now, uh, right smack dab in the center of the country. Excellent. Excellent. So Denver, Colorado. So I know you're uh you're not hunt you're not uh upland hunting right there in Denver, but uh how how, how far do you gotta go to get onto some birds? Well, that's the beauty of it. I mean, we could either jump out west, um, you know, early season, get up into the mountains, chase uh, primarily dusky, uh, dusky grouse. Um, surprisingly enough, we do have some chucker as well if you go further out west. Um, and then if you head uh, head out east, you know, we got pheasant and quail. So it kind of puts us, you know, centrally located. It's, uh, it's a great location. You could either jump on I-70, I-25. That's a main corridors in the Colorado. Jump on there. And, I mean, we're within bird hunting. Mm, I'd say like an hour, hour and a half. Okay. Awesome. That's cool. I, you know, I'm always, always curious about, you know, especially for somebody that, you know, that Denver's, Denver's obviously a, a big metropolitan area, but, but it's up and hunting is accessible. You know, it's there. You have the opportunities. I love hearing about hearing that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it, it's a great spot. I mean, yeah, we're growing leaps and bounds, you know, the population. And I think for, for good reasons, you know, it's a great city. It's uh we, I mean, we have some beautiful, a ton of public land, um, you know, and hunters primarily. I mean, this, this is a mecca out here. So, yeah, we we pretty much got it all from just your typical plains hunting all the way up to, you know, high mountains. And, I mean, you want to, you could get up to 13,000 and go after ptarmigan as well. So, it's we, we got it all. That's crazy. Ptarmigan, too, even. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fun. That's, that's a good hunt. I think that season's only open, I'd say, about... Two weeks out of the year, um, they're not known as the most intelligent birds, I would sure. say. They kind of group up, and uh, <laughs> if you're not careful, you can scatter shoot those guys pretty easily. But, uh, yeah, you know, that, that gets you a nice above tree line hunting. We'll do that often, you know, gets us up high, and then work your way back down, and you can get into some duskies uh, in that same day. So it gives you just another bird to chase out here. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, what's the – you know, I've, I've – Personally, I've never hunted in in Colorado or really out west for that matter. What's what is the public land set up there? Is that what you is that what you hunt mainly? Yeah, I mean almost exclusively. Um, occasionally, you know, if I could sweet talk my way into some uh, private land, sure. But uh, sure. that would be more out east, like pheasant, quail. We have a ton of um. There's oh, a couple grasslands that were uh, I think that was scooped up from the uh, the the Dust Bowl back in the day. The government bought some of the land back. Turn that all into public. Um, some SWAs um, along some of the river river corridors out here. So out east, there's a lot more private. But when you get into the mountains, it, it's endless. I mean, you could get out there. Gosh, where I, where I go dusky grouse hunting, I don't see a person out there. You know, it's just me, the dogs, you know, if I have a hunting buddy with. And we could go all day and, and, and never see a person. And I'll tell you, I don't, I don't think some of those grouse have seen people either, to tell you the truth. So... A lot of public lands, um, especially when you get into the mountains. Awesome, yeah, that's good to hear. I, I was, uh, I was curious because I, when I, I was talking to the guy that runs, I did a podcast with him, and I'm completely blanking on his name right now, but he runs ChuckerCulture.com, and he hunts chuckers in Idaho, and he said the same thing. You know, I, obviously, uh, public land very expansive out west, and and he made the comment about. Uh, I think it was, you know, it was years and years and years and he had seen maybe one other hunter. So that's, uh, that's the resource that you guys have available to you, which is awesome. Yeah, I can believe it. It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Now I'm originally an East coaster. So, you know, I grew up pheasant hunting in uh, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And I'll tell you, you know, it's a shoulder to shoulder type of thing, all stocked birds and, uh, you know, coming from that, 
And, you know, and it, it, coming out here to this just expansive, it was a complete culture shock for me. I, I couldn't believe how much land we have accessible to us as hunters or, you know, just as um, public land users itself. Yeah, talk about talk about night and day for sure, moving from, from east to west like that. You, uh, you, the east, the east coast accent is definitely not thick, but you haven't, you haven't shaken it entirely. <laughs> so I was, I was uh, curious about that. No, yeah, I, I get that still a little bit. It's, you know, over the last 18 years, it's calmed down. I moved out here and people thought I was Australian at first. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I've never even been to Australia, but I guess the Jersey accent was thick enough where, you know, they couldn't quite pinpoint it. And uh, yeah, I think I've lost it over the years, but uh, it, it's still, it remains, you know, especially when I'm driving, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the road rage, the typical East Coast. <laughs> it'll come out here and there but uh no it's it's dulled down over the years yeah yeah i hear you i'd be uh i'm i'm northern minnesota and and i'm sure uh i'm sure people can can tell that sometimes when i'm when i'm talking i know all about uh local accents if you will but Fair. uh uh so that's a that's a good segue um you grew up out east mm-hmm Tell me about tell me about your kind of your upland hunting story where it started where it started and we we kind of know where you wound up but but what was uh, what was the beginning how'd you get into it who were your mentors that kind of thing well I started I think how uh, um, a lot of us do is through family my father was uh, quite the fly fisherman upland hunter not as much the big game so he would take us out you know we did a, a good bit of pheasant hunting we'd travel a little bit over into you know the Pennsylvania side of the, uh, that was about as far as we got out there for, uh, and it was, it was primarily uh, pheasant. There wasn't many, uh, rough grouse back, I guess the Jersey area. So, you know, I grew up from a, a young kid, just walking next to my father when he had the shotgun under his arm. He was one of those guys that really just wanted to go out there and walk the woods. He didn't care about seeing that much. We didn't shoot that much back then, um, to tell you the truth. So that was, that was the roots of it all. You know, he was a great mentor and, uh, brought us brought all of us kids up hunting and so that, that has some deep roots uh you know then did the typical thing through teenage years found my own way became a vegetarian you know oddly enough for six years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as a typical you're just rebellious at those ages so sure, sure. but it was, oddly enough though even while being a vegetarian i would go out and walk with my father in the woods never had the issue with the hunting i think it was more that the factory farming or god knows what i was thinking when i was sure, you know, sure. 16 years old but uh would still go out and walk the woods with them and uh it was just kind of the bonding it was kind of just what we did so did that and then you know went to, went off to college and took up other sports got really into rock climbing and mountain biking and all that so that the hunting took a back burner for oh, i'd say at least a decade um, you know, just finding my own way, then just kind of came out west for other reasons, specifically for rock climbing, and uh, and then you know, as as often happens, your roots kind of grab a hold of you again, bring you back into it, and now it's just you know, it's upland, big game, all that type of stuff, just head over heels for it, and that's primarily year round what I do, travel for it, whatever it takes to to hunt year round. Awesome, that's very cool, and that's uh, I, I was I was uh, hoping to get at sort of you know your move out west uh sort of what was the the influence there it sounds like sounds like rock climbing was a part of that but very cool that uh you know you didn't necessarily move move to colorado for upland hunting but you've uh, you certainly found it there absolutely yeah yeah it was a lucky i guess i would say a lucky coincidence to come out here for one sport and then you know just to have such great hunting and 
honestly, I, I can't see a reason to move anywhere else. You know, it's it's a <laughs> enough could jump down to Arizona to go hunt quail once our season's over. You know, jump over to Utah and do a little bit of uh, chucker over to Nevada. It, it gives us it, we're really centrally located. It gives us great options, and uh, yeah, as long as you're willing to travel a little bit, you could you could really extend that season. Cool. So. Um... I didn't. Uh, we we chatted a little bit beforehand. I didn't ask you about dogs. Uh, do you have dogs? I sure do. I got uh, Sage and Breaker, the two dogs I uh, I run. And uh, Sage is a uh, well, what was supposed to be a pointing lab, but he's uh, he turned out to be a flusher and and a phenomenal <laughs> one at that. And I wouldn't change it for the world. So I had Sage's. Oh gosh, I, I bet you he's close to um, he's seven now. And uh, I kind of got fed up. I'd spent about I'd say two or three years trying to chase duskies out here and didn't find a single one. It was driving me nuts. I was talking to old timers asking what I was, I thought they were joking. I thought it was, you know, an extinct species. They were just kind of setting me out on a snipe hunt or something of the sorts. And I, I mean, I didn't see them for a couple of years. The first couple of years I tried hunting them, got sage. And I mean, it was just all over after that. I mean, we spent, took all my vacation days uh, up in the mountains, just me and him hunting and yeah, he was really the start of it with me. And then um, a couple years later, uh, actually, my wife got a breaker who's a uh, poodle pointer. All so, right. she, yep, she worked with him a good bit, taking him all the events and whatnot. And it was just it was kind of a wild. You know, we would hunt them separate at first, having a pointer and having a flusher. And, you know, just trying to get that dialed, that was a wild adventure in itself. You know, Breaker would go on point and, you know, Sage was competitive and he would jump in there and flush it. And then sure. that eventually started pushing Breaker to, you know, bump birds a little bit more than we like. So we separated them out. And now, you know, just through maturity and through, for the dogs and, you know, mainly probably for me, the maturity of learning how to work with the two of them. It's, uh, it's a pretty seamless thing now. Sage will uh, actually sit when Breaker goes on point. Um, you know, backing in his own way in a flusher type of way. And they've kind of learned to work their separate areas or, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating to be able to work with both the dogs at the same time now, um, you know, between the pointer and the flusher. Kind of cool. Yeah, that is, I, I, uh, I haven't, haven't seen, uh, in action the, you know, the pointer flusher combo, but I, but I've certainly, you know, you read about it at a lot of, uh, the quail plantations down in the Southeast, you know, they run in English pointers with English cockers, um, going into flushing and retrieving. So yeah, that's, that would be, uh, that would be very cool. Not sounds like you don't, you don't heal sage, uh, when you're, when you're hunting. So how do you, you know, if, if you said they kind of work separate areas, so, so if sage gets a bird up and, and breakers kind of off working his area, you're obviously, you know, you could shoot at that bird. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would be able to shoot at that bird. Now, yeah, it, it's a little bit different when Breaker goes on point. Sage, I kind of let him do his thing. He stays within distance. Um, Breaker, I let roam further, you know, being the pointer. Somehow, I mean, I got to credit, I don't know what it is with Sage, but, you know, he knows to stay within range, um, that he's not overreaching my shot. So he does, you know, a great job with, you know, staying in close. Breaker, we let wander a bit further. He goes on point. Sage knows to sit. I walk up on Breaker take the shot and then they know whoever's, you know, whether it be Sage flushing and this took a long time, believe me, but if Sage <laughs> flushes, it's his retrieve breaker points. It's his retrieve. So they've learned it's, 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 it's it was a fascinating process, frustrating process, but you know, it eventually 
eventually came around and it's it, it's a fun thing to do and then we hunt them separate as well if we're doing full days man it's you know i'm sure you know it's tough to run a dog a full day you know especially you get a little heat out there and boy howdy it's uh you know you can wear them down in a hurry so sometimes we'll do one in the morning one in the evening type of thing and uh, and work it that way as well yeah yeah absolutely dog power dog power certainly becomes important uh given the given the the right conditions and that's that's cool that uh you sort of have that option where you know if you're say you're shorter on time you got an afternoon hunt you could drop both and and realize that you're gonna you're gonna get a good hunt in but if you if you need to space them out rotate them you have that option too so that's that's awesome yeah yeah no it's a nice advantage for sure um so sage and breaker are the names uh which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about sage and breaker mercantile but but what came first the uh the company or the dogs the dogs all right all <laughs> right dogs that get a company named after them but yeah yeah uh, the company is named after those two dogs i uh if i had if you if i had to guess i would have guessed that uh that that the company came from the dogs names as uh as a bird dog guy myself, I know the uh, the the feelings and emotions we attach to our dogs, and it's not uh, certainly not uh, crazy to to imagine that uh, spilling over into uh, into your business life. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even a second thought when I was kind of sitting there, and I'm like, oh, what, what should the company's name? I'm like, no, it's Sage and Breaker. There's, I, I don't know. It didn't. Sometimes I think people go through a, a quite a process when it, you know, come, coming up with a company name, and now that was just. That was it from the beginning. No second thoughts on it, and uh, it's got a nice ring to it, I think. Yeah, well, that's you know, it's cool because I mean, obviously, the name Sage, uh, you know, I would imagine is is from sagebrush, that kind of thing. It's sort of a sort of a term out there. What about what about Breaker? I uh, that's sort of new to me. Is that is that an obvious reference that I'm missing? It's it's funny. My my wife came up with it. You know, she kind of was coming, you know, coming up with the names even before he was born. You know, we had a, uh, you know, had our number in at the breeder. Um, she was going through a bunch of names, and then that one hit, and it was perfect. But if you see him, like his personality, he must have known his name right from birth because <laughs> collision course with everything. The most excited dog I've ever met, just happy go lucky. But you know, with that comes the clumsiness and just smash yeah. everything. So the breaker, I mean, it, it works out just seamlessly with them fantastic uh cool man so uh you you know you mentioned that you're you know you do everything you can to try to hunt as much as you can what uh what has the 28 or uh, sorry 2017 season what did that look like you so far like when do you guys kick off out there is it is it early september kind of like montana yeah well yep we have our uh um grouse and oh if i'm I always hunt Chucker later, but I think Chucker might start up the same time, September 1st. So it starts up then, and that that season runs till about mid-November, and then uh, quail and pheasant take over. Okay. Um, and then uh, uh, um, ptarmigan, I think that's like two weeks in September. They might have extended that, and then we do have a little bit of sage grouse out here, but uh, because of the, you know, because there's just not not that many of them. It's, it's a super short season. I think it's like two weekends or something like that. Um, but that gives us, you know, pretty much September until the end of January. Then we'll jump over and do a little bit in Arizona. And then last year, what we actually did is, um, I mean, well, I, I do a good bit of big game as well. So, you know, we, we traveled to, uh, Hawaii to big game hunt there a little bit, but I also, oh, wow. found, 
Yeah, they got a pretty cool season there. And I'll tell you what, I've never kicked up so many quail in my life than when I was over there. So I think that's something we may check out this year as well. That's cool. I, uh, I've, I've been to Hawaii once. It was, it was unfortunately not for a hunt, hunting trip, but I, I didn't know a lot about it. And it's, wow, it's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing place. There's, it is, you know, there's it's, no, there's no predators. And so uh, like, like I was on, I was in Maui, uh, okay. on Maui and, and we took kind of a, the tour and just really crazy. I mean, there's, there's, there's no poisonous bugs. There's no snakes. Oh, there's no mosquitoes. Great. Like there's no nothing. It's, it's, it's just like, it's, it really is paradise. And to think that you could, uh, you could hunt unlimited, basically plentiful game there. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Oh, it's a target rich environment. And really, I mean, I think everybody thinks of Hawaii and you think of Honolulu and you think of the beaches yep. Um, yep. and you think it's, it's, it's super overpopulated, but where we stayed was a big Island and it, it, it's definitely the locals Island. And I was absolutely blown away by how much um, just public land. Everybody's kind of around, you know, the outskirts around the, uh, um, the ocean and whatnot, yep. but you got inland even just a little bit and it was just endless, but it was just all government land that you could hunt and a lot of it – now, I know Upland is uh, – they have specific seasons. I think it's November, December is what theirs is. But if you're going, say, for um, you know big game – I was going out there for pig, goat, sheep, that type of thing. It's yeah. year-round. You know, it's a non-indigenous species, so yep. they're trying to eradicate them to a certain point in, in some of the areas depending on what game unit you're in. But, yeah, you could – theoretically go down there and just hunt year round and um they you know they do a great job with the upland there i mean i the populations i saw um it it, it blew me away now i also didn't expect the diversity that was there you know you, you think the islands you're like oh whatever it's just going to be jungly you know that no i mean you could get up to thirteen thousand feet so you got everything between sea level and thirteen thousand, and all the different you know all the different environments that are in between that, between desert and, you know, grasslands and uh, perfect areas for chucker, perfect areas for pheasant, quail. It was, it, it blew my mind, uh, uh, the diversity for sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I saw some of the same thing on some of the, the tours that we did and, and really like just, yeah, the rugged landscape. I mean, w- once you get outside of the beach town, uh, oh, yeah. it, it truly is. Yeah, it's an amazing place. So, uh, on air production meeting, we should uh, we should maybe talk to AJ and Chet and and have those guys uh, send us on a Project Upland trip. Maybe me and you go down to Hawaii and do some hunting. What do you think? I'm thinking I like that idea. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get them on it. Yeah, let's do it. I'll uh, I'll run that by I'll run that by AJ. I think. Uh, all right, your hunting in your uh, hunting in your um, swimming trunks wouldn't be a bad idea. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yes yes exactly that would be that would be very cool and make for a, a unique project upland film no doubt heck yeah i'm in all right man so uh so we're in 2018 now did you have you done any out-of-state trips yet this year yeah i was just down in arizona um, Okay. oh you were okay yeah yeah just after the new year's i was down in for about uh well I, I, the back country about 10 days okay so yeah, I'm just coming back out of the out of the woods. Cool. Um, all right, so we'll we'll transition a little bit because I do want to talk about Sage and Breaker Mercantile. Sure. Which is uh, which is a business company that that you started. When did when uh, when did you start it? Uh, right in the beginning of uh, 2015. 2015. All right, so it's uh, still still uh, still rather rather young in age. 
And yep. uh, you're uh, so you're pretty much going on three years here. Um, Sage and Breaker Mercantile. Well, I, I don't need to. Uh, I don't need to uh, speculate. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about you know what it is, sort of the sort of the uh, the roots of it all, and how it started, and, and what you provide for not only upland hunters but uh, you know all, all users of guns, basically. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, we provide firearm cleaning products. Is our uh, is primarily what we do, and the best ones out there. We it kind of started with the idea. Now I have a background. My father was a his father and his father before that. They were all uh, mechanical engineers. So I grew up kind of on AutoCAD, you know, in a machine shop as a little kid. Just um, I always just was working with milling machines, lathes, and was always tinkering with stuff. Uh, I think one of the first presents I remember my father getting me was a miniature lathe. I mean, literally like two feet long. I was making little toys and stuff with it. So that was kind of the background. And then, um, you know, I, I got into to design work and, and whatnot as I, uh, you know, for my profession, but started this up as a side project. I had this idea for a, uh, a different version of a boar snake, which is, you know, typically people think of like hoppies and yep. uh, they're boar snakes. And I, I kind of had an idea that I thought I could make it a little bit better. I'm not saying, and I'm not putting hoppies that makes a terrific product. All their products, yeah. I think, are great as well. I grew up on them. Heck, I, that smell on, you know, hoppies number nine. And most, <laughs> yep. so I have, that'll bring this day, you know, a memory back for sure of being young. But uh, no, I started the company. You know, I had an idea for a boar snake, and then just went through revisions, rounds after rounds, and uh, and uh, got some people's opinions on it and they loved it it gave you the full brush where you would have the old you know um rod and brush system um still using like a buffing rope that gets pulled through afterwards to you know the, the clean the barrel as well yep. uh and then they could be separated so you could clean that buffing rope you know throw it in the wash machine or hand wash it and just you know dry it if you wanted to it just gave you the best best of both worlds between the boar snake and uh the rod and brush and you know simplified cleaning a whole ton so started with that and you know let's say you know heck you know as a side thing let's see if this works and uh got it out there and people loved it and it just started taking off so much to a point where my wife was like hey listen we got young kids now um you're working at an ad agency for 12 days or 12 hours a day yeah you're <laughs> working on sage and breaker you're working on the weekends and you got you know little kids that you got to spend time with as well so she's like, make a decision. She's like, I'm I'm 100% behind Sage and Breaker. I think you should do that. And uh, uh, that's exactly what I did two years ago. It's made that switch and went full time with it. And since then, we've added um, working with some great guys making a CLP, a Clean Lube and Protect. Um, it's like a solvent, if, you know, if um, the listeners yep, yep. where it's a solvent and a, and a lubricant and a protectant all in one. Um, and then we just got into some real, uh, real high end. My mom's a seamstress and I brought her out and had this idea for a, uh, a gun mat. And we just sat down for like a week and a half straight and we're just sewing this thing. And, you know, that's made out of like leather and, uh, uh, wax canvas and wool. We just want to do really, really high end stuff. Um, we think there's a spot in the market, you know, people spend a lot of money on their firearms, I mean, heck, I do. I, you know, these beautiful guns that I'm going to hand down to my son and my father handed down to me. And, you know, it's these family heirlooms. And uh, if you if you take care of them, they, they, they will last generation after generation. And that's what we want to be there for is uh, to help protect that legacy. Um, and, and that was the basis behind the company. And we've just been growing ever since. And, uh, you know, it's really a family business that my, my wife helps with it. You know, if I need any kind of 
uh, stone <laughs> or anything. I fly my mom out from uh, San Diego, and uh, yeah, you know, everything is prototyped right here in Denver, and then we just work with our manufacturers to produce it. Excellent, very cool. Where where uh, where does stuff get warehoused and shipped from? Is that is that all? Is it basically fulfilled? Uh, well, we use Amazon just because it's easier as a, a distribution house. Yep. Because uh, it's tough. We run the business right out of the the house here. You know, I got my office and whatnot. And yeah, we do have more product than I want in the um, in the garage for sure. But for the most part, once I have everything settled, I, I ship it in the Amazon. If somebody buys through the website, it gets fulfilled by Amazon, or they could buy it through Amazon itself. But we're direct to consumer. You know, we've been approached by a, a bunch of retailers, and for right now, I just. We want to keep the company small enough because when somebody calls, like if you go to the website and you call the company, you're directly talking to me. And like customer service is everything to us. And I want to be able to handle that in every way. Um, Answer any questions, uh, you know, have our customers know that we're here for them and that, you know, we almost want to keep it small enough that we can do that. So it's kind of been a. You know, it's been an interesting process where you get approached by some big companies saying, hey, let's let's bring Sage and Breaker into the line and, you know, and to decline that and just say, no, we're going to keep it small enough so we could, you know, have this product, something we're extremely pleased with and so that our customers customers are as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that I, uh, oh, it's probably about a year ago, I guess I picked up uh, my first 16 gauge and that was a, uh, it was it was uh, uh, the first 16 gauge that I had, so I, I needed a new bore snake, and uh, I picked up picked up a Sage and Breaker uh, bore cleaner. And I, I know when I, I think I, I think I went and bought it off Amazon, uh, fulfilled it there, and you know I g- got some follow up emails from you. Obviously, that you know you send out you send out some you know you kind of speaking to the customer service aspect you know you you check in on the and i know it's i know it's all automated and that stuff i'm not i, I know that it, it yeah, wasn't yeah. exactly you sending me that email but it was cool it was a personal touch you know it, it put a put a name and a face of the company which i think is what you were trying to do and uh you can you can feel that for sure in in the sage and breaker products when you order them and and i think that's you know it's not the norm today and i think it's uh, i think it's very cool yeah, and we and I think that's you know we get a lot of compliments on that. You know, guys will give me a ring and they're like, "Oh, oh I'm talking to the owner," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, this is this is me." <laughs> you know, any problems? And, and and I like that. I think that's one of my favorite parts about this business is that I'm typically talking to other hunters, you know, or firearm enthusiasts, that type of thing. And like, these are my people, so I I really truly do want to take care of them because I mean, hunting's my life, and you know, and I know other people uh, feel the same way, and you know, you want to be able to serve them and uh, and and feel good about it. So yeah, it's, it's a passion for sure. That's very cool. So do you have a sense of, do you have a sense of, of the, the end users of your products, be they Upland or just general firearms enthusiasts? Have you guys done some, some sort of data mining in that category at all? Yeah, we have. And you know, there's certain ways of doing that. Just like who's responding to you on Facebook. And, uh, and then, I mean, obviously just what sells the most. And, you know, I mean, our biggest seller for sure is, uh, for the, the Borsig, like the, the 223. So it's a, it's an AR platform, ah, but okay. that being said, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge market for sure. You yes. know, a yep. lot of, a lot of guys out there with ARs and doing that for recreation, but you know, um, the shotgun is is way up there for us as well. Um, the, most of the responses we get are hunters uh, through uh, social media and whatnot. 
and we push that because I mean, heck, that's 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 what I do um, yep. is the upland. So it's easy to speak to those people, you know. So, but I would say, yeah, we we still get a good a good bit of just the the recreational shooters as well. Um, a good bit of upland, and then you know some big game hunters as well. Sure. Yeah, that's you know it's 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 really interesting to me because I in my mind Sage and Breaker you know is is an upland company and 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 I know that's that's not true but that's just how that was my association to it um, because because I see you know I follow you on Instagram I see your marketing and your photography which I want to talk about a little bit but but that was sort of my uh, association to Sage and Breaker it wasn't until I I jumped on your website for the first time in a, you know, a little while today. And I see some of the marketing photos, you know, they're showing, showing handguns and, you know, you mentioned selling a lot of 223. So it's, it's, you know, it sort of opens your eyes to, yeah, these products are they're you know, they're universally accepted. Uh, and yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's great that you guys are having success because, uh, because of the kind of company that you are and, and, and what you're doing. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. We, uh, love what we do. So it's hard not to, you know, Exactly. So I mentioned, uh, I have a couple questions on the products, which we'll get to, but I mentioned the, uh, I mentioned the, the photography. Yeah. I, I think you have a reputation for, for having, you know, excellent branding, phenomenal photography on your Instagram account, on your website. It, you mentioned you worked in an ad agency, so that is maybe, sure. uh, maybe, uh, closing some of the loops there for me, but talk about that. Talk about the sort of the, the, the great photography. Is that you that's driving all that? Yeah, that's all me. So that was, uh, yeah, I, I think the ad agency world, that type of thing had a lot to do with it. But originally how it started is when I moved out to Colorado. Well, I mean, gosh, I should even start back in, uh, in college. I was taking, you know, photography classes where we were literally developing our film black and white. You know, this was before digital. So that ages me a bit. <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, it was uh, developing our own film. So I've been doing that for ages. But uh, when we got out to Colorado, we we're making some uh, rock climbing films as well. So that was more the video side of things. But as, as, as time went on, I really liked the, the still imagery. Um, that just took to me even more than the video itself. So that, that's, I mean, I've been doing, gosh, I'm trying to think back. Photography has got to be at least 25 years, 30 years, you know, somewhere in that. I mean, even since I was like a kid, I remember having uh, my grandfather's camera shooting that. So yeah, I've been doing that for ages, and then just it got more and more into it. And uh, hunting itself, I think, lends itself well to photography. You're out there in the golden hour. You know, you're out there in the morning for sunrise. You're out in the evening for sunset. So you're already, you already got that going for you. And there's a lot of downtime. You know, there's there's or if I'm out there, you know, hunting. Um, gosh, I love running my dogs so much. There's times I don't even take the shotgun out if I have buddies with me, and I just let them do the shooting, and then I have my camera in my hands. You know, and I, I just work the dogs for them. A lot of my buddies don't have hunting dogs. So, you know, we we get out. If there's a crew of four or five of us, I'll just work the dogs and take pictures. So I think it lends itself well to photography. Um, so I really, you know, have been incorporating that. And I do some work on the side for, for other companies as well, hunting companies, you know. Uh, use my photography for that. And, uh, yeah, it's just – it's become almost – as important as the hunt itself for me. Like I, I take that out there and I love sharing the stories behind it. It's, um, and I think you could do that pretty well with just an image. You know, I, I mean, I write a bit as well, but I, I, I the photography side of it is what's, you know, I, I really take to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I certainly agree on a lot of those points that 
for sure. Like obviously in the age of Instagram, it takes no more justification than that to, to, to say that, you know, photography is really where people are telling a lot of stories right now. Um, and you know, part of that is part of that is the ease, uh, the quality of the quality of cameras we all have in our, in the palm of our hands with our smartphones and then the ability to so easily share that. I mean, it really has changed a lot of things, but it has opened, it's opened my eyes. And I know brothers, I mean, it just, it opens you up to so many of these different unique experiences that, you know, you really maybe had no idea that we're there and it's, you know, you follow the right people and, and you see a lot of this stuff. So it's very cool. And, and the, you know, the Sage and Breaker for me, like, you know, I'm a Northwoods guy, grew up in Minnesota. That's where I hunt mostly, but you guys ha have certainly have a, a centered focus on sort of Western hunting and, and you display it in a very cool way. So that's uh you know, that's a, that's a neat aspect of things for sure. No, thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, I think that's how I found you guys as well, you know, following AJ and you and, you know, yeah, some yeah. the other guys, just the photography side of it. You see somebody that could take, you know, a great picture and tell a story just through that one still image. You know, that's an amazing thing to be able to do. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly how I found you guys. I was impressed with what you were doing. So I think it's just a natural progression to start talking to you guys and, you know, see what you were doing. And, you know, and you're right. I think it does – you know, seeing some of these, it, maybe it's inspiration is part of it. You see some of these things, you're like, yeah, I want to get out there and hunt a place like that. Like that looks, yeah. you know, that's not something I'm used to. Like, oh, maybe going up and, you know, going for uh, uh, rough grouse or, you know, going down south and hunting this species or that species. It, I think it inspires people to go out and explore a little bit more. Um, shows them something different than this, this, the bubble that we tend to get into in our own world. Um, you know, just opens our eyes a little bit more. So I, I think there's a lot of power behind it. And I think there's a lot of positivity behind it is as, as much flack as social media can get, you know, I think there's a lot of positive sides and that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there, there are, you know, like anything else, pros and cons to everything and, and the way that you use things, but man, it, it certainly has, uh, it's created, created, uh, you know, if you, you can really sort of insert yourself into any sort of community that you want to be in, but it has certainly given, uh, created an outlet for, for upland hunting. And, and it feels like there's a lot of buzz. Probably part, part of that is because, you know, we're drawn to it and you, you look for it and you seek it out, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. You know, there's, there's a lot of people sharing and, and inspiring, uh, you know, upland hunting right now. And it's, it's very cool. I agree. And it makes you think, like, is it a reinsurgence of, like, upland hunting? Or is it just that you're now able to see so many people doing it? You know, I, I don't know. But it, it's, it's whatever it is. It's a beautiful thing. It's uh, – I, I love going on Instagram in the mornings and just see what everybody's doing. Like, oh, <laughs> who got out this weekend? Where'd they go? Did they get anything? It's – I don't know. It's cool. It's it's It inspires me, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the answer to your question, uh, whether or not – we are in sort of an upland hunting renaissance or if it's just because it's so visible is that answer is being sought after by many, many, many people, yeah. uh, you know, be it conservation organizations or state agencies, you know, we want to, we know that hunter numbers have been declining on a broad scale and, and every, a lot of people are trying to sort of crack that nut, figure out how to, how to turn those tides. So, uh, yeah. if, if this kind of stuff can help that in any way, that's awesome. And, uh, we hope to certainly hope to see it continue. All right. Um, I want to ask you a couple things about the products. Sure. So I actually have, 
I uh, am fortunate enough. I've got I've got one of your your bore cleaners. I have the uh, the CLP, the Clean Lube and Protect, and yep. and I have the gun mat. The gun mat is, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's it 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 sort of to me. I associate it to uh, a Duluth pack. Are you familiar with Duluth pack at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so like obviously that it's a company out of my hometown, and and they've over the last few years they have. They've really uh, expanded their business, but they've always, their reputation has always been made on, you know, well, for the most part, I guess recently, super high end, high quality stuff, high quality construction, um, you know, great materials. And that's really what, what the Sage and Breaker gun cleaning mat is. You know, like you said, it's wax canvas, it's wool, it's leather. It's, it's something that when you roll it out, uh, you know, it feels like, like, uh, a nice well used upland bird gun should be sitting on. It's a it's a it's a nice resting place for your uh for your favorite shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um but I wanted to uh for the uh for the clean lube and protect, what is like how how do you how do you recommend applying that uh via you know do you are you spraying that on the bore cleaner or how do you how do you apply that? For that what I typically do is I'll give um any moving parts, you definitely want to It would give it a couple squirts. You could clean that off, but make sure you put a little bit back on there uh, for any moving parts because that's the lubrication. That's going to pre- prevent wear and tear and whatnot. But for the actual cleaning of um, the bore, you know, let's say, you know, I would open the chamber. I give like mm, three squirts down the down the, um, the ejection port and then down the end of the uh, barrel as well. Okay. Kind of give it a shake back and forth. Let it sit there for a couple minutes. Um and then you can pull the uh, uh, our bore cleaning kit through there, or you could spray the uh, the brush portion of the bore cleaning kit as well when you pull that through. Uh, and then we just came out with some really nice um, um, gun swabs as well, uh, just like cotton swabs on six inch um, wooden sticks, and that'll let you get into the chamber and really clean that up. Uh, so you know, between like those couple products, you you should be able to have that gun spotless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's what you guys, what you guys are offering right now is, is pretty much kind of the, you know, the total after hunt kit, you know, roll out the mat, bust out the, bust out the bore cleaner, take out the the clean loop protect and use the swaps for your detail work. I mean, you can, you can get that gun clean with, with all the products that you're offering right now, which is very cool. Yep. So uh, as far as process on the bore cleaner, I think, I think when, when, you buy the bore cleaner, if I remember correctly. I'm not a not embarrassed to admit that I don't. I think you even sent me a video that I don't know that I ever watched with sort of the cleaning <laughs> process. So maybe maybe uh, maybe walk us through that sort of that recommended process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of course, as always with firearms, be careful. Open up that uh, open up that chamber. Make sure there's no shells in there and whatnot. So once you have that done, you know, like I said, spray that uh, CLP down there a couple times. And I mean, the process is really simple. So the end of that, the pull cord is a weight, yeah. uh, a brass weight. So you're just going to go through the ejection port, send that down the uh, bore of the gun, out the barrel, the end of the barrel. And then you literally just pull that bore, or the bore cleaning kit straight through. One shot typically does it. Um, you know, you're, you're going to pull with the uh, pull cord. And then once it gets to the buffing rope, grab a hold of that because it is pretty tight, you know, and that's what, yeah. that's what cleans it. Um, and then pull that through and, and that really should cover you. Now, if it's been, I don't know, 
a long season and you know you've been a little bit lax on the cleaning you know you may need to pull that through two or three times but that really should do it especially with that clp let that sit in there let that you know get that carbon and any other contaminants already broken down and then once you pull that through it's uh i mean it should be spit shine cleaned at that point so that's really it and that's the beauty of the process it's not you know, pushing brushes through and taking a jag and, you know, if you're using a rifle, I wouldn't do for a shotgun. But, you know, you're taking a jag and pushing patches through. And, I mean, sheesh, I, I, I've spent 20 minutes, a half hour on my, my hunting rifle, cleaning it, doing it that way back in the day. And this, it's it's literally 15 seconds and you're done. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's that really is, uh, that's the beauty of it. And you know, when we're, when you're at Upland Bird Camp, you got dogs to, dogs to take care of and things to put up. I mean, you, you really, you've got to take care of those firearms, but, but, uh, the, the idea here is to keep it as simple as possible to, to do the job effectively. So that's, uh, that's, that's it. That's, Nobody wants to spend the whole afternoon cleaning a gun. You want to be shooting the gun, but cleaning it, it's not the, that's not the sexy part of it. So we want to try to make that as easy and quick as, you know, and painless as possible. Yeah, exactly. What uh, we talked a little bit about guns. What uh, what's your favorite thing to carry when you're chasing birds? Oh, I got my uh, handed down. It's a uh, Satori Featherweight 20 Ooh. gauge. Yeah, over under. It's got the shorter 26 inch barrel. Perfect for grouse hunting. I mean, that thing is. I probably should weigh it, but I don't know. It, it is. It is as light as it gets, and super snappy gun. Um, it's that's that's my favorite. I mean, I have my uh, um, uh, twelve gauge uh, Benelli Super Vinci. You know, I will use that for duck hunting and, and whatnot. Or if you know, there's not a good snow for pheasant and they're getting out, you know, a good bit ahead of you, I'll switch over to that. But if I if I have my preference, it's 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 without a doubt that Satori. It's a it's a shooter for sure. It's it's a utility gun. I'm not you know afraid to bang it up a little bit. Um, yeah. And man, is it snappy in the woods. Did you say your dad handed you handed that down to you? He did, he did, yeah. So that's um yeah, he kinda handed that down to me and my brother got the twelve gauge version of the same thing and it's just it's gonna be you know, and my son's gonna get it next and hopefully it just keeps getting passed down. I mean that thing is besides, you know, from the little dents and bruises you get in the woods for it, I mean that thing is is, is as good a shape as the I think the day he bought it. So and that's you know Maybe heck, it's funny because I remember that from him. Is you know that that as clean as that gun comes out of the gun cabinet is as clean as it's going back in. And <laughs> maybe that's how I got into this business. I don't know. Maybe, I'm just realizing that now, but uh, that was always the kind of the way we were brought out. Is you respect it as a um, as a tool. You know that's that's something that's it's not just something you know. And he was like that with all of his tools, and you know, and that, that was passed down to us and. Uh, I'm passing that down to my son and it's, it's something you respect and you take care of it and it'll take care of you and it'll be around forever. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Is that a, is that a straight English grip on that too? It's not, no, it's oh, not. Okay. Okay. I, I almost thought about picking up a, uh, another stock on it, but it's just got too much numbers, but no, it's not the English grip, which would shave okay. a couple more ounces off for sure. Yeah. I, I asked because I, I always wanted, and I do now have, um, I always wanted the Satori Upland special, um, either the Upland Special or the Superlight, they're both kind of, uh, they're essentially the same, although the Upland Special has 24-inch barrels, which is what I have. I don't carry it much anymore because I've kind of transitioned to my 16-gauge, but still, it's uh, it's a gun that I won't get rid of because uh, somebody had actually, uh, they altered the stock 
to it's pretty short. Um, so I had a I had a pad on there, but it will be it will be the first gun that I hand down to uh, to uh, hopefully my uh, uh, young son or daughter someday uh, because yeah they're uh, they're great guns they last a long time and and man they make a heck of a bird gun. They do, they do. I mean the quality you just look at those things and it's not one of those guns. I mean you get yourself a ten thousand dollar shotgun. You're like, am I really going to bring this in the woods? You know, yeah. it was just meant for the mantle and you know to show off. But it's a utility gun. It's it's never failed me. It's. Uh, no, I love that thing. That's it, it's hard to even go out and look at other twenty gauges and not feel like I'm betraying it. So, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it, it's my shooter. Awesome. Well, uh, we're we're getting close to time here. I think I'll let you go pretty quickly. But uh, did I hear that? Are you gonna have Are you gonna have any work in the uh, Project Upland book? I am. Yes, yes. I wrote an article for you guys about um, specifically. You know, interestingly enough, it was about. Uh, I'm a bow hunter as well, and it's it, it's a kind of about the uh, the obsession I have with dusky grouse, even when I'm out chasing elk. So yeah, the, yeah, I got a story in there with you guys, and um, some pictures to go along with it. And I'm super excited to see that book. That's uh, that's going to be a hell of a book for sure. And uh, I hope you guys keep continuing and making more. That's for sure. Yeah, very cool. I uh, I I thought I had thought I had heard that you were making a contribution, and I don't even. Uh, I don't know if AJ even uh, if I have permission to to say this on you know on podcast, but oh well, we did it anyways. <laughs> so you're, Fred, Fred's going to have something in there, from Sage Breaker. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. But uh, hey, man, it was great, honestly, great catching up with you. Uh, really appreciate you joining us on the Project Upland podcast. I'm sure we'll uh, sure we'll have you back on at some point. And uh, wish you the wish you the best uh, the rest of your 2018 hunting season, and uh, we'll we'll catch up soon. All right. Thanks so much, Nick. I appreciate you guys having me on. Best of luck to you, and let's get a hunt in sometime soon. Sounds good. And uh, before before I let you go, best place uh, best place to find out more information on Sage and Breaker? Sageandbreaker.com. Easy enough, man. All right, you take care. Have a great one. All right, take care, Nick. See ya. Hey, everybody. Nick Larson with the Project Upland Podcast. Just wanted to take a second to thank you again for listening to this episode of the show. And remind you that, as always, we are brought to you by our friends at Pine Ridge Krause Camp. As always, we appreciate your feedback. Please don't hesitate to contact us via projectupland.com or by emailing me directly at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.